Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Have a seat. Before I get started this morning, I uh, want to give you a few announcements. If it's your first time here, you haven't been here for a long time, uh, or you have been here for a long time, you haven't had an opportunity to collect, connect with us, we would love to do that. If you look in the front of you, there's a, in the chair, there should be a little QR code. If you want to scan that, it's going to bring up a couple options for you. One's going to say connect. If you fill out that connect card for us, we're going to send you a gift in the mail just for saying thank you for doing that and just for being here today. Also, during service, we don't take up an offering. You may notice that, but there are some boxes in the back. So if you feel led to give your offerings or tithes back there, uh, you can do that. But also in front of you on that QR code, I'm sure there's a link there too as well. Pretty much there's a link on any of that QR code stuff. So if you just scan that, you'll find something on there you need. And uh, so we're so glad that you're here today. Uh, One quick announcement. Um, Next Saturday, the 13th from 8 to 10, we're having our men's breakfast. We're still lining up. Yeah, the women are excited about the men's breakfast. Yeah. Like we get biscuits, we get we eat good. Like we, like I know we're like entering a 21 day fast, but we're gonna break it for that. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll see how that works. But you know, uh, we're gonna have a special guest speaker there as well, working on getting him there. We'll, we'll announce that as soon as we get that nailed down. And so it's gonna be a good good time. So uh, this Friday again, this Saturday at eight o'clock. So you want to be here for that men's breakfast? Don't miss it. Okay. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Hosea chapter 10. You're like, I didn't know there was a book called Hosea and my Bible. It's in there. It's in the Old Testament. You have to look it up uh, real quick if you have your Bibles. If not, it'll be on the screen for you. I'll give you a few minutes to look that up today. And while you're doing that, I want to let you know what we're doing here for the next 21 days. Today, we start our 21 days of fasting and prayer. actually starts tomorrow, and we're going to be meeting in this building every morning at 630. Like, everybody's quiet when I say that. <laughs> like, oh, 6.30. Some of y'all are going to be meeting here at 6.30, right? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we'll be meeting here at 6.30. We're going we're gonna to have some time of prayer, some time of worship, and it's just, it's just an awesome time that we do this together, and it's always a pleasure. Uh, and so while we're doing this, we're using this passage of Hosea as the backdrop for this whole 21 days, and it goes something like this. If you want to stand for the reading of the Word, I'll read it, and then we'll get right into it. Hosea says, the Lord says, sow, your righteous, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground. It is time, everybody say, it is time, it is time. to seek the Lord. That, no, you can keep going, it's fine. <laughs> that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Father God, I pray that you'd use this message today. God, give me strength to preach it. God, help me to say every word that you want to say and nothing else. Lord, I pray that it penetrates the hearts and the minds of the people today, God, and that they leave here encouraged, they leave here strengthened, and God, they leave here hungry for you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. You may have a seat. 
So I'm talking about everybody's favorite subject today, fasting. Yeah, everybody's, yeah, when I say fasting, everybody's super excited about fasting. Uh, but we are going to teach about it because in this, in this passage, Hosea is saying, sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steady love, but break up your fallow ground. What he's saying there is you want to break up the hard place in your life where you're not receiving from God. And fasting is one of those ways, is, is one of the primary ways that a believer breaks up the hard places in their soul so they can receive from God. And we're going to be diving into that whole idea a whole lot today. But as we enter into these 21 days, uh, today we're talking about fasting. Next week we're talking about the importance of prayer and what that looks like and how to pray. And then next, the week after that, we're going to talk about worship and how powerful worship is. And so we're going to have a good time with that as well. But today I want to talk about fasting what is fasting? Why do we fast? What happens when we fast? And how do we fast? So some of those questions we're going to be asking, because uh, like, I have people all the time say, how do I fast? Like, what should I give up? What should I not give up? Like, what do I do for this? I tell them, you can't eat ever again. I'm just kidding. No, you can't do it. But really, at the end of this, you're going to find out how you should fast. And so really, it's a personal question of how you should fast, but we're going to dive into that. And so today, I want to I ask, I want to I want to help you understand the power that is behind fasting. Fasting is the key that unlocks breakthrough. You may not realize this or not, but prayers are powerful. But when you couple prayers with fasting, there's this, there's, there's this extra power. There's breakthrough power that comes through. You see this over and over in Scripture. When people fast, God does things. When people fast, miracles break out. When people fast, God delivers. And so we're going to talk about fasting, why this is so important, because I think some of you going into these 21 days, maybe even right now, you need a breakthrough in your life. And you're not seeing the breakthrough. And you're doing all the things that you think you're supposed to do, but maybe there's this one missing key that can unlock that breakthrough today. So you ready? Let's talk about fasting. So what is not fasting? That's the first question, okay? What not fasting? What is not fasting? Fasting is not a hunger strike. It's, it's not you trying to get God's attention by saying, Lord, look how pitiful I look. Look how hungry I am, God. Look at me. Give me something I need. Give me favor. That's not what fasting is. Also, fasting is not a way for you to get attention for yourself, Jesus very, very clearly says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. He tells people how they should fast. He tells them why they should fast. And he tells them their attitude towards fasting. And so in Matthew 16, Jesus says this, and these are Jesus' words, and when you fast. I find it interesting there that Jesus didn't say if you fast. He says when you fast. So it's almost expected, right, for believers to fast. He, just like in the verse before, he says, when you pray, this is how you should pray. Then he goes, when you fast, this is how you should fast. So believers should pray and they should fast. And I know that's not a popular thing. And I know it's something we don't really think about a lot of times, but we should fast as believers. I don't know about you, but if I'm facing a hard time, I rarely think about fasting. If there's a big, uh, something I have to overcome, or there's a big decision in my life that I need to make, I rarely think about fasting. I pray and I worship and I seek the Lord, but I don't couple it with fasting like I should. But I think we miss out on an extra power source if we don't fast, because fasting, I'm going to explain in a little bit, has a certain way of humbling us so we can receive from God. And so what it's not, it's not looking righteous for yourself, because Jesus says, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces and their fastings may seem, be seen by others. 
Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. You know, when people fast and they say, man, I'm fasting this, I'm fasting that, I'm on the Daniel fast, I've been doing that for 21 days, or I've been, doing, I've been fasting uh, no sugar or no coffee, and, and you look at them and go, man, I wish I could do that. <laughs> like, I wish I could fast 40 days, I wish I could cut coffee. Well, when they tell you that, they're really, you're getting, they're getting their reward right then and there. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying we don't fast to get people's attention. We don't fast to bring attention to ourselves. We fast to humble ourselves to the Lord. And he says, but when you fast, anoint your head with oil and wash your face. So he's saying, like, hide it. Don't make it plain. Don't make it in plain sight for everybody to see. Don't blast it on Facebook. If you start this 21 days fast and say, I'm starting my fast today. Here's all my vegetables out here on my 21-day Daniel fast. Like, don't do that. Okay, do it between you and God. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. The reward comes from God, not from anyone else. And I'm going to talk about, at the end of this, what those rewards are. Because if he rewards us in secret, what are those rewards? So obviously there's a reward for fasting. There's something that happens when we fast, and we're going to talk about those in a minute. So that's what not fasting, that's what fasting is not. And so what is fasting? Fasting in the Bible, I hate to break your bubble, but it's, get rid of, it's, uh, it's putting aside food. Fasting is always has to do with food in the Bible. And so fasting is laying aside food to focus completely on God. It's an intentional, it's intentionally removing the distractions and desires of the flesh to meet the desires of the spirit. It's not as much fat, feasting, it's, it's not as much as fasting food but more about us feasting on the Word of God, feasting on God's presence. I love what Richard Foster put in his book, Celebration Discipline. If you haven't read that book, I highly recommend it. Uh, the spiritual, it's about spiritual disciplines. It's a very good book. It's an easy read, too, so it's just right up my alley. But he says this, Therefore, in experiences of fasting, we are not so much abstaining from food as we are feasting on the Word of God. Fasting is feasting. Maybe if we had that idea when we fast, we might do it a little better. Fasting is feasting. And when the disciples brought lunch to Jesus, think about this, assuming that he would be starving, he declared, I have food to eat which you do not know. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus knew that he, needed, he didn't need just food. He needed spiritual food. And so fasting is laying aside food to focus on God putting food aside for a certain period of time to, to dedicate your life to prayer and to de dedicate your life to seeking the Lord. And so it's like breaking up, like this passage says, breaking up the fallow ground. It's pulling up the rocks and the weeds in your life. We're going to talk about those in a minute. It's getting soil ready to receive from God. And so the question we have also is, why do we fast? Like, what's the point of fasting? Is it just to go hungry? Is it to lose weight? Is it the cool thing to do, like I know intermittent fasting is the kind of the big thing right now. Is that the big, is it the cool thing to do? Why do we fast? Well, we fast primarily, like I said a minute ago, to humble ourselves to the Lord. It brings us down low where he can bring us high. We fast with intentionality. We have a reason to fast. You see all through scripture reasons why people fasted. And so when you fast, when you fast, have a reason behind it. Don't just say, wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to fast for three days. Now, the Lord may lead you to that. But when you fast, you should have a reason for doing so. 
And, and all through Scripture, you see examples of people uh, fasting and why they fasted. So I'm going to open some of those up to you. So this is not an exhaustive list of all the reasons why people fasted in Scripture or we'd be here all day. Uh, but this is kind of the main things. So the number one reason, well, not the number one reason, but one reason that people fasted in Scripture, and, and as, I, as I write these, as I give these to you, maybe you need to write them down and say, maybe that's what I need to fast for. Like maybe this is something I need in my life. Maybe this is where the breakthrough needs to come through. And so we see in Scripture over and over that people fasted for God's divine help. Like they needed God to step in. They needed God to do a miracle. They needed God to help them in a certain way. We see this a, a lot in, in, in the kings. We see this a lot with King David. He would fast so that God would help him, so that God would, would deliver him, this divine help. We also see people fast for wisdom or direction. I mean, Daniel, if you know the book of Daniel, he had this dream and it terrified him. And so he went into this fast to figure out what this dream was about. And so he fasted to the Lord saying, Lord, give me understanding. Let me, give me wisdom about this dream. I need to understand it. And eventually the angel came, seemed like forever. The angel came and then gave him the answer. We also see people praying for healing or fasting for healing. David himself even fasted for people's healing. You know it's okay to fast for other people's healings? In Psalm 35, 13 through 14, he says this, But when, I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. Now, just a little Bible knowledge for you. Anywhere you see in the Old Testament where it says afflicted, that very often, most of the time, alludes to fasting in some sort. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with my head bowed down on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother as one who laments his mother. I bowed down in the morning. So David would fast and he would pray for his friends that were sick. I mean, I know I pray for people that are sick, but do I fast and pray for them that are sick to be healed? There's something that happens when we combine our prayers and combine fasting together it releases the healing in such a way that maybe not have came in a different way or maybe not have came in the first place. When I talked about doing this message, I put it on Facebook. I said, hey, I'm talking about fasting. Somebody to share your testimonies. And we had a couple come through. And Alicia, she does our books here. She said this, when I was 16, I was seriously ill and in the hospital. The doctors were struggling to find out the cause. My church family had a 24-hour fast for me and after the fast was the first time since my illness began that I did not have a fever during the night. It was the start of my full recovery. So we see that fasting somehow speeds up healing or, or, or pushes the healing forward. A pastor that I know, and I agree with him, I tend to agree with him, he says that usually on the other side of your healing is just the fast. Like you're praying, but you're not humbling yourself. What scriptures say, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. And then I will turn from heaven, I will heal their land. There's something about humbling ourselves that, that the Lord sees and, and he, he moves in on our half. He has to lift us up. And so often people, of course, fast for healing. And then they, they fast for deliverance. What do I mean by deliverance? Yes, demonic, but also deliverance from enemies, deliverance from other armies, things like this. You see this in Scripture over and over, that when the enemy would come charging at their gates, they would call a corporate fast, and they would fast, and God would move in 
and, and do a miracle, or God would wipe out the armies. And, and they understood, the ancient people understood that fasting was a privilege, that fasting was a way of humbling themselves and saying, God, I'm totally relying on you on this because this is way over my head. I can't get out of it. Like this army's too big, this army's too strong, but I'm trusting you. So they humble themselves with, with fasting, and God moves in and delivers them. Also in the demonic, when Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, he comes down there and his disciples are trying to cast this demon out of this person and they can't cast it out. And so Jesus steps down there and casts it out. And it's like, Jesus, man, we said the same thing you did. But like, I don't understand. Why couldn't we cast this demon out? And Jesus told them this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. And so there's things, there's something in the spiritual realm that only breaks loose when the fast happens. There's something in the spiritual realm that only gets a breakthrough when we combine prayer and fasting. We see this over and over in Scripture to ignore it. It's just there. A, a pastor that I know and that I follow, is his name's John Lindell, and he has a big church in Springfield, Missouri called James River. And that church right now is experiencing miracle upon miracle, I mean, cre- incredible healings. And he tells a story of of just this, that, that fasting can give you deliverance from the demonic. Uh, he had a stroke, and if you look at him today, you can't tell he had a stroke. He had a stroke, and after the stroke, he had these issues with his heart. It was a tachycardia that would just flare up, and his heart rate would shoot over 200, and his adrenaline pump, his adrenaline would just shoot all into his body, and it would leave him exhausted. And he had had these issues over and over and over, and uh, he saw the doctor, and they're like, well, that's just something that happens to stroke victims. We can't do anything about it. Uh, it may go away on its own, but probably not going to. Most people just have to live with it. And, you know, he's a pastor. He thought his career was over because of this, because one day he was on stage and he had a bad episode and he just laid back behind the stage. And there was a guest speaker that day and he walked by him and said, man, you okay, John? He's like, yeah, just give me a minute. And after that meeting, John says that that guest speaker comes and talks to John and says, hey, I think the Lord has told me that what you're experiencing here is not just sickness. This is demonic. And you need to ask some people to get around you and pray and fast for 10 days. And I believe that God's going to break that off of you. And so he does that. He gets some people around him. They fast and they pray for 10 days. And lo and behold, he hasn't had an issue ever since. And this has been years and years and years. There's something that happens when God's people come together and fast. There's it's like a superpower. It's like something that, it's like an energization, is that the word? Energization of, of just our prayers going forth. Supercharged. We also pray, we're also, uh, we also fast for favor. What do I mean by favor? Well, favor for people. Like we need, we need people to kind of see things our way, Right? And so we see this over and over in Scripture. A great story of this is the story of Esther. There's a king's edict. All her people are going to be wiped out. And so she goes to her people and she says, hey, guys, go fast three days, no water, no food. And I'm going to approach the king. And if I die, I die. I love that verse. It's like, if I die, I die. I'm going to do the right thing. And so they fast and they pray and they seek the Lord. And she walks up to the king. Of course, you know the story. It's really cool. And, and she gets favor from the king. And so we see this over and over in Scripture, and I've seen this over and over in lives. Like, how many of you fast when you have a big decision to make? Maybe you have a big meeting this week, and, 
you need God's favor on it. Maybe you have a, a loan you need to take out, or maybe you need to have a loan you need to pay off, or maybe you came into money or something, and, and you need to know what to do with it. You know, and, it's, and, and you need to know who to invest that in. Ask the Lord to give you favor, to show you where, to show you who. That, that's, that's saying, God, I, I'm fasting, and I'm asking you, Lord, I need favor for this person. I need them to see things your way. Uh, and so that's what favor is. We also see that people fast for repentance purposes. What is repentance? Repentance is basically moving from this direction to this direction, from away from God to God. We see this over and over in Scripture when people, that people would fast along with repentance. There was something that happens when people fast and they break up that fallow ground in their life and they're praying. There's an automatic, there's an automatic um, repentance that happens in their life. We see this in the story of Jonah. You know Jonah in the well? Do you know that story is not just about Jonah in the well? You know what that story is actually about? Nineveh. This, this city was evil. <laughs> this city would take, these people would take uh, the Israelites and they would skin them alive and they would just take them as slaves. They were very evil people. And Jonah, God told Jonah to go to the Ninevites and tell them they needed to repent. And this is the whole story of Jonah. He's like, I don't want to go. And so, you know, he gets swallowed and he gets thrown off the boat and all the stories. And he finally gets there. And what happens when he gets there? He tells them, hey, God says he's going to wipe you out if you don't repent. And guess what? They repent. Not only that, they fasted. The king says, everybody's going to fast, even the animals. If the animals eat, kill them. Because the Lord's going to kill us if we don't repent and we don't fast. And so they fasted and they repented. Also, we see other people Praying for other people's repentance, praying for other people to know God. Maybe there's people in your life that they don't know Jesus, and you've been asking God, it's like, God, reveal yourself to them. Show them you. Show them yourself, God. They need to know you. Maybe you need to couple that with fasting. Maybe that's the breakthrough that they need. In Daniel 9, 3 through 5, Daniel prays this for his people. Then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking him with prayer and pleas for mercy. Mercy for who? His people. With fasting and sackcloth and ashes, I pray to the Lord my God and make confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules, praying for others and uh, turning aside from your commandments and rules. So we see that Daniel's praying on behalf of his people here. I mean, what would happen if a church all fasted and prayed for a community. Like we all got in on it. I mean, right now there's more than just this, this church right now doing it at this exact time. I know I have several pastor friends in town. They're doing their 21 days of prayer right now. And I think it's great. The more churches and the more people we get praying and fasting, the more God's going to do. I, I truly believe that the more people turn to God, the more people pray, the more people fast, the better the community is going to be because God's moving in it. What if we all were like Daniel, we prayed for our community and said, God, stop the violence, stop the craziness. Lord, do something about the situation. Forgive us because we've sinned. We also see that people fasted corporately, and when they did, it caused a revival in the land. See, fasting has a way of turning us back to God. It has a way of reigniting our faith. And in Nehemiah 9, 1 through 4, it's a great example of it. It says in verse 9, 
Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. So what's this fasting with sackcloth and earth on their heads mean? They're, 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 they're humbling themselves. So they're fasting, they're afflicting themselves, they're sitting in sackcloth, and it says earth, but other translations say ash. So they pour stuff on their head. It's a sign of humility. It's a sign of sorrow. And the Israelites separated themselves from all the foreigners and stood conf- and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read for the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. That's a long day. <laughs> you probably feel like, man, you've been here a quarter of the day already. You ain't even started yet. All right. It ain't been that long. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. So for half the day, they worshiped God. Half the day, they read Scripture. This is beautiful. I mean, this is what happens when revival starts. Hunger for God's Word and worship ignites. I mean, we saw this in Asbury not, not long ago, right? This is, this is what happens when there's a hunger in people. There's a revival that stirs because it starts with this corporate, like, there's corporate fast, this corporate revival. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law and so for, and they made confession to worship the Lord their God. And on the stairs of the Levites stood all these guys, I'm not going to read their names, and they cried with a loud voice to their God. So they, they were saying, man, God, we have not done what you wanted. We, we're reading your word and we're so far from it. God, forgive us. There's this repentance that happens because when they repent, there is a, there's a fresh revival that comes into their life. So fasting brings revival. Fasting brings repentance. Also fasting. You see people in Scripture fast many times in mourning. They fast, really, fasting for mourning is just to focus on what was lost. But not only that, it's to allow the Lord to heal that spot. We see in 2 Samuel 1, 11, King David is, is, is fasting and he's sad over the death of King Saul. If you know the story, I'm like, why is this guy sad about King Saul? It's good. He's good. I'm glad he's dead, right? But David knew the cost. David knew what this meant. David understood. And he had a friend named Nathan that, that died. So, and so he was, he was lamenting and he was, he was mourning this death. In verse 11, it says, Then David took a hold of his clothes and tore them, and also did all the men who were with him. In verse 12, they mourned and they wept and fasted until evening for Saul, I'm sorry to say Nathan, and Jonathan and his son Jonathan, and for the people of the Lord and the house of Israel, because they had fallen by the sword. David lost his friend, but he also lost his king. And he knew that the kingdom was now in turmoil because of this. And so he fasted and he, and he mourned the loss. I'm telling you, some of you maybe need to, to fast and mourn. I know we live in a culture that says, you know, wipe your tears, don't cry, don't, you know, get over it, get over it quick. But grief is, is healthy. I tell people this all the time. Take the time to grieve. You need to grieve. God gave us that ability to grieve. You see scripture over and over. You see in, in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, people would take time to grieve. They would, they would realize what they lost. And when you take time to grieve, when you, when you mourn and when you, uh, when you fast, you allow the Lord to come in and fill that space because you're able to identify what was taken out of it. Oh, man, that, was, that person meant this to me, Lord. Will you fill that hole? Will you be that for me now? That's, that's the beauty of, of allowing God in your circumstances. Maybe some of you need to take some time and fast and mourn. And lastly, we see people 
uh, we, we see people fa- uh, fast for power and strength for an assignment. We see this over and over in the book of Acts when they would assign some elders or deacons or send some missionaries out. They would, they would fast before so. We see this in Acts 40, 14, 23. It's no different. And when they had appointed elders for them in the, every church with prayer and fasting, they committed it to the Lord and to whom they have believed. And so before they did anything, they fasted and they prayed. They knew that they needed strength for the assignment ahead of them. They're saying this is far too important just, important just to go into it without thinking. We need to pray. We need to fast. We need to seek the Lord. Hello. I think it's okay, Mike. Sorry. We need to pray. We need to fast. We need to seek the Lord's face for this. We need to, we need to make sure that we're on his assignment. We see this in its full magnitude in Matthew chapter 4 and also in Luke when Jesus is led out into the wilderness to be tempted. Jesus gets baptized. There's this Holy Spirit moment, right? The Spirit ascends on him like a dove. The Father opens up heaven and says, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Now go out into the desert to be tempted. So he goes out in the desert to be tempted. And then Jesus, it says, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights until he became very hungry. So he enters in. He goes in, into this wilderness. He's tempted for 40 days. And, and during that time, he, he doesn't give up. He, he overcomes. But I love what happens after the fast, like when the fast is over. Luke chapter 4 records this, verse 13. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. I think that's just a good thought for us. You know, it's like, hey, man, I beat the devil yesterday. Like, that's good. But always be, be aware that he's always waiting for a better opportunity. And so all the more reason for us to pray, pray up, all the more reason for us to fast, all the more reasons to be prepared. I mean, if you would do that to Jesus, what do you think he wouldn't do that to you? Verse 14, and this is the beauty of it. Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. See, Jesus entered in through the Holy Spirit, but he left in power through the Holy Spirit. There's something about taking this time to fast that empowers us to do the next assignment. I I believe that God made Jesus do this. the, The Father made Jesus do this. The Spirit led him in there so that he would have the power to do all that he's called him to do. There's, um, I have a devotion. I forgot to tell the last service. Hopefully they'll watch this one and get it. We have a devotion that's going to be going out. Um, and the very first, uh, I believe the first one is about this. And so it's, I want, I'm going to give you the, the keyword to text to get that before we leave. So don't let me forget. A lot going on. It's a lot going on today. So don't let me forget. <laughs> but he was, he left in power. I think so many people of us, we do what God wants. We, we think we, we do what we think God wants us to do, but we don't pray about it. We don't fast about it. We don't ask really God about it. And then we go out there and we fall on our face and wonder why. Well, did you really seek the Lord? Did you humble yourself? Is this really what God wants you to do? Jesus took the time. He took the time to plow up the ground. He took the time to let the Lord put into him to let God put into him what he needed. And so these are the reasons why many people fast. And so the next question we have is, what happens when we fast? Okay. What happens when we fast? Well, lots of things. But primarily, it's a humbling of ourselves. Like we humble ourselves so the Lord can lift us up. 
But also it's a removing, it's, a, it's like I said, it's a plowing of the fields. It's, it's a getting ready our soil for the Lord to give to us what he couldn't give to us otherwise. It's getting rid of the weeds. It's getting rid of the rocks and our souls so the Lord can plant something good in our lives. So, so if you know anything about the parable of the sower, the parable of the sower goes, there was a man planting seed and he would spread seed out and there was different paths. One was, one was a, a rocky path and, and nothing could grow on it. One, um, and the other one was just, it had, it, it had a bunch of stones in it so it couldn't grow down deep and it couldn't uproot. There's another path that, um, where am I today? I'm good. Thank you, thorns. The weeds had weeds in it, and it choked up all of the good things, right? But there was, a, there was also a soil that was good and grew up. And so if you take the parable of the, soil, the sower, we see that weeds are things in our life that choke out the good things of God. These are often distractions. Like what are distractions? Phones, Facebook. Come on, am I poking at you? Social media video games, like these are, these are things that, that tend to distract us, that take up time that's not really useful. These are things that, that we do. They're not bad things, but they're just weeds. They're, they're not really adding any value to our life. They're not really adding any value to our faith, but they're just, they're just weeds, and they're choking out the things of God, and God's trying to give something to you, but these other things are taking up your time, and they're, and they're distractions, Substances can be one of those things. Relationships can be a weed. Maybe there's a bad relationship that's just choking out all that God wants to do in your life. You need to cut that relationship off. If you're married, don't do that. <laughs> Go to counseling. Right? You're committed. But what are the stones? These are things that are hard in our heart. These are hard hearts that can't receive from God. The number one thing that will harden our heart is unforgiveness. You know, there's unforgiveness in our lives, and Scripture very plainly tells us if we don't forgive, then God's not going to forgive. Like, we have to forgive. And maybe that, that fasting season that you enter into when you fast, that'll plow up some of those rocks so God can start planting seeds in your life so you can forgive those people. I mean, really forgive them. And move on. Another, another hard thing in our life is pride. Like, I don't need God. I think that's a lot of reasons people don't fast. It's because, well, God, I got this. I can handle this. I don't really need your wisdom. I don't really need your help. God, it's, it'll work out. It's a pride issue. And, and, and so humbling yourself and fasting breaks up that rock of pride in your life. Many things can be rocks. It could be just a blatant sin in your life that you, you know that God's against and you keep doing it. And you're like, well, God will understand. That's a rock. God can't put anything in your life because that's in the way. 1 Corinthians 6.12, Paul reminds us about these things. He says this, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Look, here's something I've learned about fasting. All the times I've fasted, I've quickly found out what I was a slave to, right? I'm like, I need some sugar. I need some caffeine. I need some meat. Like I did the Daniel fast, and I was like, I need some meat really bad. Like we find out very quickly what we're a slave to, these things that tend to drive our desires and drive our flesh. 
These things are, are you're a slave to it. And so he's saying, don't become a slave to these things. And he goes, you say food was made for the stomach and stomach for the food. This is true. Though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual morality. He goes on to one stronger. He says, they were made for the body. And the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Our bodies are his. When you give your life to Jesus, you give all of it. And our bodies are to be instruments for his kingdom. And he's saying, don't be stuffing your bodies with junk. Don't be doing things with your body that's not good. He's like, this is God's body. You need to honor it. It's his. We need to get rid of those rocks. Don't be a slave to anything. And so that's the reasons why we fast. That's the reason. That's how we fast. That's what happens when we fast. And so uh, this is what happens when we fast. Sorry. So this is the power of fasting combined with prayer right here. As we humble ourselves, we receive comfort. I love the scripture says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You will receive power. You will receive wisdom. You will receive deliverance. You will receive healing. And healing is more than just physical here, guys. It's a spiritual healing. Maybe you need healing in a relationship. Maybe you need healing of a workmate. These are all, all things. And, and here's the beauty of fasting. It also quickens our prayers. It, it, it opens our spiritual ears to hear. How many of you have moms that turn the radio down so she can see better? Yeah? Right? How many moms do that? It's like, it really helps. Well, this is kind of what fasting does. It kind of turns off the noise so you can hear God better. Some of you haven't heard God in a long time. It's because there's too much background noise in your life. Fasting kind of cuts that off. It reinforces our reliance on God. Go without food for a few days. That'll, that'll show you who you rely on. And then opens the door for breakthrough. Man, fasting is powerful. I don't know why we don't do it more. Fasting does something amazing in us. Fasting also reveals things in us, our lives that control us. What's controlling you? What are you a slave to? You need to get rid of it. Fasting is the plowing of the ground. It's, it's opening ourselves up to receive from God, but we wouldn't get otherwise. It's getting the ground ready for the good seed. Like Hosea said, plow up the, follow, the fallow ground. Plow up the ground that hasn't been used in a while. Plow up, the, uh, plow up the ground that's full of weeds and rocks. We have to fast. We get to fast. It's a pleasure to fast. But so many of us take advantage of it. And so the next question we have is, how do we fast? Well, this sounds great, Pastor. I mean, these are all the good reasons why I need to fast. But uh, how do I fast? Well, here's how some people do. For these 21 days, you can fast every meal. Uh, you can fast that, or you could skip a meal a day. Some people do that. I'm just telling you what some people do. You can skip a meal, maybe lunch, and you go pray at that lunch hour. Maybe you skip breakfast and pray at that, that breakfast hour. You need to replace those meals with prayer time. Don't just not eat. Okay, that's not, that's not biblical fasting. You, 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 you fast and you seek the Lord. Replace that meal time with, with, with God. Maybe fast two or three times a week. 
You know, the, the Wesleys who uh, started the Methodist church, they would not ordain anybody unless they agreed to fast on Wednesdays and Fridays until 4 o'clock. And so they saw the value of fasting. And so maybe just fast two or three days a week. Some of you could just do a Daniel fast. That's up to you. Some of you could just cut out certain foods. When I went to Israel, I learned a little bit about their culture. And at Yom Kippur, which is the, the Day of Atonement, they would fast that full day. They would, many would fast food and water for that full day from sunup to sundown. Maybe you want to fast from sunup to sundown a couple times. Maybe through the whole 21 days. Who knows? Don't fast water. <laughs> right? I mean, you, you can, but I don't suggest it, right? Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I don't suggest that at all. Don't do that. <laughs> That's bad. Don't even, don't, I don't want anybody thinking, well, pastor said I cannot drink water for 21 days. No. Drink water. Yes. And so the question is, how should I fast? Well, that's really between you and God. How should I fast? What should I fast? That's between you and God. Why should you fast? That's between you and God. You know, I've, I've read some things. Maybe you've got something in your life. You're like, man, I need some breakthrough here. I need to fast. I need to pray. I need to ask God to step in and to do a miracle. I need God to, to, to rain righteousness into that area. And so... As we enter into these 21 days, I'm going to challenge you to make a decision today because tomorrow is the first day of it. Man, what can I give up for you, Lord? What can I fast? How much do I need to fast? What are the weeds in my life that I need to get rid of? What are the rocks that need to be pulled up out of my life? What are the things that need to go that are keeping me from receiving from you? What's keeping that breakthrough from coming through? Those are the questions you need to ask while you do this fast. And so we're going to end this message today with communion. I know it's kind of weird that we're ending a fasting speech with food, but there's no better moment, I think, to do communion. Because communion, you guys can go and start handing it out. And if I can get the worship team to come up as well. Thank you. And while they hand this out, I'm going to explain why this is so important. Communion is a reminder that while we may fast today for whatever reason, that one day we won't need to fast. That one day that Jesus is coming back and he's invited us into this marriage supper and there will be a feast that we will feast with the Lord. And when he gave this to us, when he gave this to his disciples, he gave them communion and he told them, this is my body, this is my blood. These things that I do for you, I give my life for you. Like I'm, I'm, I'm letting them beat me up. I'm letting them take me down. I'm letting them to peel hunks of skin off my back for your good. I'm letting them hang me on a cross for your good. My blood spilled out for your good. Like I'm, try, I'm saving you here. I'm paying your price. I'm making you right with the Father. This is why we take communion. It's a reminder of all that Jesus has done for us. And not only that, it's, it's a reminder that he's coming back and that there will be a feast in heaven. And for those that know Jesus, they will be, seating at that, they will be sitting at that table with Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I want to be at that table 
I want to be at that table. And so I, I take this as a reminder that i got to keep the faith because I want to be at that table. Like, I, I'm going to be there. And so as they pass these out, we do two things. With the bread, we pray for those who need healing because we believe that God still heals. And we also, with the, with the cup, we pray for those who need to know Jesus. Because maybe there's people in your life that just don't know Jesus. They don't know him. They don't know how good he is. They don't know what he can do in their life. They don't have a testimony. And you're praying for them, and you're praying for them, and nothing's happening. And, and so when we take communion, it's a reminder for us to pray for the sick and to pray for those who do not know Jesus. And so if you have your elements, would you go and stand with me? And wait for a couple more to get theirs. I think it's good to not take communion hastily, to not make light of it. It's real easy to do that. To say, well, it's just a piece of cracker, it's just juice, it's not that. It's a spiritual thing, it's a spiritual, it's a heavy matter. And so we need to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. And so I want to take a few minutes and a few seconds to reflect on all that Christ has done for you. Think about it before we take communion. Just take a moment and think about what Christ has done for you. And maybe thank him. Can we lift our bread up? We're going to pray. Father, I thank you that you brought Jesus to us. He is the bread of life. He is our sustainer. He is our savior. I thank you, Jesus, that you took the beating I deserved, that your body was broken for my behalf, and, Lord, that by your stripes we are made whole, we are healed. And, Lord, I pray for those today that are sick, that need healing, that you would give them healing. God, right now from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, Lord, healing completely and speedily. Thank you, Father, for your healing. Let's take the bread. Hold the cup. Jesus, we thank you for this cup in the new covenant that was paid for in your blood. It's the covenant, it's the agreement that says we are made right only by you, Jesus. By nothing we do, but only by your work on the cross. That you are our sacrifice, our perfect sacrifice. And we take time to remember that right now because we don't take it lightly. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us, for giving us your spirit, for giving us a place at your table. And Lord, I pray for those who do not know you today, Lord, that they would know you, that they would taste and see that you are good. God, that you would chase them down with your goodness. Lord, that everywhere they turn, there would be somebody there telling them about the goodness of who you are, that they cannot escape it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for your cup. Thank you for the blood that washes my sins. Let's take the cup.
I'm going to call the altar team up. We have some baptisms coming up. And while they get ready, if you're about to get baptized, you can go get ready if you're not ready. I'm going to give you an opportunity to be prayed for. We have people in the back, people in the front that will pray for you. Maybe you need God to touch your life. Maybe today you want to make your life, give your life to Jesus. You've never given your life to Jesus. And something today has touched your heart. And you know that Jesus is real. And he's been pulling on you. He's been telling you to, to come to him. And today's the day. I'm going to challenge you to step out and let one of these people pray for you. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you need guidance. Maybe you just don't know where to go. Let somebody pray for you. This is a ministry team. They're trained and they're ready. And they want to help you. And so while they lead us in this song, they're going to pray for whoever wants to come get prayer. And then we'll have some baptisms. Father God, I pray for all those right now who need prayer, that they would come up. Holy Spirit, you draw them. Holy Spirit, don't let them sit in their chair. Let them get up and get prayer, Lord, because you are going to meet them there in that place. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.